0: what is the end game for them uh and and to me i i I would imagine that it's primarily data you know sort of getting an idea of of the market they
1: could just listen to bruise news to get that
0: could have done that for free (laughs) They, they could they could
1: Thanks to Cryo Malt, you make great beer because we make great malt. This is, at least for the time being, Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to discuss the beer news and opinions of the week is the beer mat himself,
0: Matt Kierkegaard. Matt, happy International Beer Day. Yes, Prof, happy International Beer Day to you. We are recording this on the first Friday in August, so that is International Beer Day. The day after, Prof, International IPA Day. International IPA Day. (laughs) Mate, I I did an interview Because um... there's nothing like a brand extension for something that is meaningless and useless. Well, look... Or is it? Am I being too harsh? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, whenever you see international, you know, X Awareness Day or things like that, you sort of think, you know, on the one hand, gee, you know, do we really need a day for everything like International Sniffles Day or, you know, International yeah recyclable Is cup it, day
1: yeah let's face it there's a lot of you know hashtag me too in all this bullshit where you know it's just oh hang on we're gonna have something too oh it's just still something different oh we can do an extension off that just make every day a lovely day
0: yeah but but, but then you look at all of the interest that having one day to focus on something um has and you know ipa day in uh beer day have been in my facebook feed like crazy i did an interview this morning on radio this morning where mainstream radio talked about it and i guess you know that's that's ultimately a, a good thing so I was able to sort of get on radio and say and they sort of said what beer should we celebrate international beer day with and I sort of said I would go to your local brewery and buy one of their products and then I was able to talk about you know how you you know the name of the brewer the, the person who made the beer is likely to be serving behind the counter and all, and you know they employ you know x number of people per million liters and I was able to bring all of that in which is ultimately a, a good thing but the the day itself yeah. everyday should be uh, we should be thinking about these things who makes it up? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, four years ago, Matt, uh, up at the Eka.
1: Now, the Eka's around about the same time every year, isn't it? Yes. But it's, but it's, yeah, it's like the second uh, second and third week of, of August. Yes. Yeah, because I remember apropos of your comment about doing a piece for radio, I was contacted by Melbourne Radio while I was up in Brisbane at the Eka uh, for comments on International Beer Day. So it was, it was at least a week and a half or two weeks different um, later that three four years ago uh
0: no i think so uh, who's in in charge of this thing so it's the first friday someone's just
1: making stuff up
0: um i i guess it depends on what day the first friday uh of the day feels as to when it is and the first friday it
1: can't be like nine days different to last year though can it
0: uh well sometimes the echo starts as early as the sixth so if Saturday. Oh, okay, the so first. It the
1: first Friday. Okay, so yeah. it, so it's not. A, yeah, it's not like a horses' birthday, which is always August the first around no, no, the world. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's just like the first Friday. First Friday after the second full moon of the waning gibbous.
0: Yeah. Okay. International Beer Day, according to its Wikipedia uh, entry, it was founded in 2007 by Jesse Avshalimov. Um So basically some guy had the idea with social media, he was able to put it out there. And I remember that in the early days, it was pretty much international IPA day predated international beer day. And I'm not sure, uh, why that is, but I remember in the early days, it was always CUB, um, and lion that were the only ones to put out something about international beer day. Um, because I guess they, back in those days, they couldn't really participate in international IPA day. Um, and that's a little bit the same uh, th- th- this year, because I got a media release yesterday from the Brewers Association, which, of course, is um, the uh, Lion, CUB and Coopers. But uh, here's cheers to Aussie Made Beers, International Beer Day, Friday 3rd of August. Uh, and they were talking about uh, paying homage to the contribution modern beer makes to the economic and social life of Australians from grain to glass. And it talks about 95% of the beer sold is made in Australia. That's over 105 full-time uh, 105,000 full-time Australian jobs. Uh, Australia's hop farms have exploded on the back of huge demand for forward contracts for first-class varieties. Now, and then it goes on to say, Carlton United Breweries, Lion Beer Australia and Cooper's Brewery. Now, these guys are jumping on the bandwagon. Good good luck to them. They, They do make beer. They make beer of a very, very high quality. But when you speak to... Uh, you know, people that grow hops or people that grow grain, they talk about almost the negative impacts. Yes, the the big guys do buy a lot of grain, so make a, you know, by default a substantial, uh, you know, contribution. They do, but it's a highly modified grain
1: that is designed to work well with um a shitload of sugar we should point out so it's not it's 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 not the best grain you can get
0: no it's not the best grain you can get and it's the small independent craft brewers who operated in the niches that basically saved the hop um industry in australia if we couldn't compete um as hop growers on commodity hops which was all that uh that the big brewers wanted to buy um and it was a small independent brewers and now because there's a market the uh the, the bigger brewers have taken interest and so look at that. that's not having a go at big brewers but it's just interesting the way that these sorts of things that small brewers try and spin their own stories and big brewers try and spin their own stories but yeah no it's it's um well worth uh it, it's one of those things that we do need to think about when, when when we do celebrate international beer day you know what the dollars that we're spending on beer um you know mean for the future of, of the industry
1: Yep. And remember too, listeners and Matt, that um, even though big beer is 95% of the Australian volume of the beer market, the independent small independent brewers are seventy-two percent of the number of breweries. They are. Think about that when we're talking about commodities and and uh, you know raw materials and such. Hmm. And if you look at the number of jobs created, um, amongst those 105,000 is pretty yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, that, is, that includes pubs, does it? That includes
0: pubs and, and uh, those sorts okay. of things. So yeah. so yeah, but in terms of yeah. brewing jobs, not really the
1: brewing industry is
0: it? Uh, well, yeah, when they're, they're casting is wider net because they want to promote a yeah, trip the against, spotty
1: sixteen year old barback um, working in a pub is not really engaged in the brewing industry is he well, let's, let's be let's well, be perfectly Francis
0: uh, or, or or the person whose uh, chief job is to hand out the tokens for the pokies machine which that, would be counted uh, in the. But-
1: Matt, as we've as we've pointed out many many times before, you know the um, and hello to Zoe if she's listening. But the marketing department's um, key job is to kind of you know a couple of pumps and and put a little bit of GST on on a story to create a narrative.
0: Absolutely.
1: That will encourage people to buy products. That's that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but so I, let's 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 not you know. But to say, me oh, a, oh, a, yeah, again, oh, I call
0: shenanigans on that. No no I, yeah. To, but to me again, that shows how influential craft beer is becoming. That the big guys who are very slow to the party, um, oh it's never going to go anywhere. Oh look, maybe we need to sort of dabble in this. Suddenly wanting to uh, you know. Um, yeah. By far, the major economic footprint is created by the big three brewers: Carlton United Breweries, Lion Beer Australia, and Cooper's Brewery. Each can boast breweries with over 150 years of rich local heritage history in Australia that they often get wrong. Uh, There are hundreds... Coopers can. (laughs) The others have kind of become, you know, different entities over the centuries. Absolutely. But then the next line, they are Australia's original craft brewers. They've innovated, grown and stood the test of time by getting the equation of consistent high quality and affordability right. It's great to see so many fledgling breweries following in their well-worn footsteps. The one thing that they don't, when they're celebrating the hop growers and the barley growers... I don't hear a shout out to the sugar, to the people who make, uh...
1: <laughs> the corn syrup producers,
0: the people who make the sugar beet manufacturers, <laughs> the rice malt growers, the people who make the enzymes. Uh, the, yeah. Anyway, well, <laughs> that make you brute. And... I, okay, what you gonna say? No, anyway, look, <laughs> yes, let's yes. move on. Let, let, let's That's move enough on. of that. Happy B-Day. Enjoy
1: it. Making news and more than a few waves this week. Uh, Matt and I will look at. AB InBev bolts to bet in Booze Bud's online beer business, and we begin with, bugger that, is it bad? Uh, while across the ditch, Lion poaches Harrington's. We'll also look at Great Northern leading the charge in AB InBev's very good results. Um, debate ensues over the true cost of a keg of beer. And we look at the bowls club that looks set to roll a brewery nearest the pin. Or should that be the Jack? Matt. Uh, let's start off with AB InBev and
0: their purchase of BoozeBud. Absolutely. Now, I should say, just because um, we, we've had so many great uh, emails, we're not going to do Mailbag yet, but we've had so many great emails, Prof, uh, saying how great it is to have other voices in. Um, I do want listeners to know up front that we did have uh, our good friend Zoe um, pinned for today, but, of course, this isn't her prime gig, um, and her week kind of fell apart from work. Apparently, we're generating a bit of work for a Prof, so... Uh, yes, that, that's why you've just got uh, two uh, pale and stale voices. Don't say,
1: don't say it. Yeah, but uh, it's just you and I, Matt.
0: It's, it's just you and I, Prof. But uh, consequently, one of the emails uh, that has been sent through, uh, specifically throwing to Zoe's opinion, we will hold over until next week, which gives it two chances of being uh, letter of the week. Yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, AB and Bev. There's
1: a, there's a lot about this, apart from the fact that uh, – so Beer Bud, which then changed its name to Booze Bud, which I'm sure tickled your fancy um, because they went into uh, other spirits and all that sort of thing. Um, a group of cool dudes who did the possible or a, a crowdfunding campaign that I, I recall you were fairly critical of or, oh, or uh, sceptical, sceptical of.
0: I, I think it's been fair to say that most crowdfunding campaigns we've been a little bit sceptical of um, because – it's you know i think a lot of people it is potentially a, a great way to uh you know pre-sell product um and and in, and in, in, uh, market from your um loyalty from your uh, loyalty but i think uh, you know th- there are certain people who take the piss and back when we talked and we actually did a podcast uh speaking to one of the guys from beer bud as it was then because they were trying to raise twenty five thousand dollars and that was just three years ago prof can you believe that um to buy a where's the time gone oh no to buy a shipping container of beer that they were then going to sell to the people who basically financed the purchase of that shipping container of beer and when you start hearing that you sort of think oh dear you know it's not much of business strategy um but we've got no idea what the business is these days valued at but yeah they, they were purchased by uh, ab Inbev. no whisper as to the the value no, 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 whispers at all as to the value. Um, no, but
1: presumably, we'll, we'll let. Given that they uh, they are a, not an Australian publicly listed company, because of course they're not Australian. But um, do they, in their report to shareholders, um, need to disclose that at some point?
0: I think they may at some point, um, but it'll be so well, it'll be so far buried uh, in the detail that it might be uh, a yeah. little bit hard to to find out. So, so Matt,
1: um, is, is this this is an interesting one for me because is this the first like non-brewery? um that they bought and secondly have they learned the lessons or have they completely missed the lessons to be learned from lion's unsuccessful foray into moq online beer sales or do they look at that and go we can do this better by buying something that's already got some credibility and, and already has um the the big thing that i've seen as a as a plus for this is that because the technology is is so sweet that that that's what's perhaps um, encourage them because it it clearly can't be the portfolio because the portfolio is going to shrink considerably um, with just the number of brewers who have already indicated, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. We, we won't be supplying our beer to be sold through, booze but anymore.
0: Exactly. And and you know it's it's one of those wait and see things, Prof. Um it it's not the first non-beer um acquisition for ZX Ventures. They've got a really interesting they took a uh, like a minor stakeholding in ratebeer.com which caused all sorts of consternation. Oh, of course, um, yes, yes. When, when they did that? that. Um, they've they have invested in a couple of uh, American uh, beer blogs, uh, so you know, sites like Bruce News, and I, I did ask them whether they were casting their eye over uh, <laughs> uh, Australian beer news websites, and they said, S- "Have S- you put uh, out a little for sale board at the front?" <laughs> and and they did did say we're open to a n- d- discussion. <laughs> so, uh, uh, although I think our discussion of the National Beer Day may have, um, yeah, it might have put torpedoed the that. In there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we no it. looked cheap. And that wasn't On about special. beer, but anyway, um, we'll we'll keep this tight, Prof and they've bought a like a whiskey company in the UK they've bought a beer um, distributor in 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 the UK um, so they are looking at doing that um, it's the first one they've done in Australia given that it's not a major income generator for it they're not looking at this as a business you know they're not looking at this to contribute profits so everyone's sort of saying why would you then? By a company like this and you know online i have to think it's data particularly when you look at some of the other you know data and influence i guess so it's, it's not going up against uncle dan's online
1: service um or, or even click and collect which seems to be just just anecdotally just from the times that i've popped in um to check out things and, and to buy wine for my good lady wife um at uncle dan's um people coming in to do click and collect just seems to be increasing but uh, so i might just be Turning up at exactly the right time. So it's not in competition to that, or as a as a foil to that.
0: Uh, online is growing very quickly, um, and it's uh, like it's becoming a bigger thing. But you'd have to think that it, it's not and Bev's core business. Trying to compete with Coles, Liquor, and uh, Endeavour, um, and you know, and, and then you, you've got our sponsors, Beer Cartel, who are doing a great job. And you sort of think, well. Is it a distraction for a business that makes its money making beer to sell beer? And you know, there's a litany of you know hospitality arms that have gone. So I, I just can't see that that's their end game. Um, I guess they want to sell enough that it's not costing them money.
1: What What about the stance, Matt, of the the brewers who have uh, the independent brewers who have? sort of made it public that they won't be supplying.
0: And, and I can't see Lion um, selling through them either. So, you know, what, what is the end game for them? Um, uh, and, and to me, I, I, I would imagine that it's primarily data, you know, sort of getting an idea of, of the market. They could just listen to British News to get that. could have done that for free. <laughs> they could, they could. But again, you know, well, when you talked, so I, I was lucky enough to, to speak uh, to, the, to the guys from... Booze bud. Um, sorry, I just can't say booze. Um, I can hear you choking on that. <laughs> well, well, just a complete sideline. Um, our good friends at Stone and Wood have got a competition at the moment uh, where they're doing beer cocktails featuring Stone and Wood. And the win and and, and the, the competition, the, the prize is when the ultimate uh, booze experience in Byron Bay. And you know, I've been getting the media releases, and then I got the plaintiff, um, you know, oh, guys, you haven't covered this. And I just had to get back and sort of say, look, I'm sorry. We have a policy of, you know, not referring, you know, Boozebud was Bud, we couldn't avoid Booze Bud, but, you know, and, and I don't want to go and re-litigate that again, but, you know, if, if anyone says that, you know, you guys speak something and do another, Stone are good friends of ours, you know, they're, they're, they're gold sponsors, uh, you know, sorry, if you're going to name your competition uh, you know, a booze experience, not interested. So a, man, a man's got to have his ditch to die in prof, but anyway. <laughs> And that's, gee, they're going to have to draw a quarter of me to put my bones in all of the different ditches. But anyway, um, sorry, the, the, the point I was making was... Um, there was spoke, a point in there? Spoke to Rodolfo Chung. Andy, I think it was, from Booze Bud. Um, but when you ask them a question, they have got well-oiled um, well answers. well yep, 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 um, yep pre-prepared. That you're going to read, it's, it's in the media release, um, and I noticed that like even the Australian just ran the media release. Um, Crafty Pint uh, had great coverage, um, so if you want to read about Crafty uh, about the takeover, um, apart from reading on our site, um, read on the Crafty Pint. But um, in terms of what you said, these are all questions I asked uh, Rodolfo Chung, who's ZX Ventures, which is ABN Bev's disruption agency, whatever that means. Uh, you know, and, and you ask him these questions, and you just get the pat, pat responses. You know, what is the strategy here? the answer is impenetrable doesn't actually answer the question so we're left divining and waiting to see how they actually use it how they develop it and you know we we'll, we'll keep analyzing that prof and give our, our our take as as we see it develop because they certainly won't be telling us what their uh, plans are
1: no for sure let's um we, we, to be continued um, lion speaking of uh, acquisitions purchased harringtons which for a little while were were, were making a, a reasonable push into australia i remember one of my first uh, actually it was the day that i met david Cryer. so there you go um now this would have been uh, it was up in chloe's bar at um upstairs at young and jackson's yeah, hotel yeah, yeah. and it was put on by the new zealand trade department and it was a beer and food matching it was like 11 eight eight courses maybe of new zealand um Produce matched with a different New Zealand brewer. So I got to make quite a few of the guys who, who I now sort of consider friends. Uh, I was happened to be set next to, to Carl Harrington. And uh, that, so that was my first introdu- introduction to Harringtons, and they sort of, as a re- uh, whether it was as a, as a result of that or um, or not, sort of had a bit of a push, and and the the beer was around for a while. Certainly, at, it that was only at specialty sort of places. I know purveyor Cellars used to have a a full shelf of of heaps of Harringtons and really good solid beers, and a family brewery with um, a long history. Started out, I'm going to say, in sort of in bottle shops, something like that, and then and then built the brewery onto that. But in the last few years, I, I certainly haven't seen it nearly as much. Um, is that a good one for Lion? Do you think, or is it just another one? It was just, you know, we're, we're picking up what we can.
0: Mate, I'm a bit the same as as you. Um, I think that you know they've launched a couple of times. I don't know the brand well enough. Don't know the the, the beers, and I would imagine, you know, these days, you know, Lions bought Emersons. They've they they've got. Max, that, you know, and they've got little creatures over there. So, you know, and they've got the purchases I've made over here. They're incubating quite a few. Mundy, they've got Townsville Brewery. Um, they, they've got the, the Byron Bay Brewery. Look, I would imagine that they're just looking at beers that complement their range, fill in a few gaps and, you know, give them a bit of, uh, of interest because this ties back into the story that we're going to be talking about next really about Great Northern is, I think anyone sitting there thinking that brewers, the the big brewers are buying the small brewers because they think that craft beer is going to become 50% of the market, maybe one day it will. It's a long-distant future before it's that. I think this is really about the battle lines being drawn um, around pub agreements and what are called tap contracts. Um, We've noticed over the last two, three, four, five years that publicans... As craft beer becomes a thing, but most importantly, what craft beer activating and getting people into the pub, um, publicans have wanted had a variety of beers on tap to encourage people to come in, and tap contracts. There's been a lot of pressure on the you know the old 70, 80, 90 percent agreement to scale down, so publicans can get a wider selection of beers on tap. These purchases are about giving. You know, when the Lion guy walks in, he says, "Here's our craft portfolio." Um, and when Cub walks in, here's our uh, you know craft portfolio. But those guys are still really interested in Great Northern, Carlton Draft, Pure Blonde, uh, VB, um, and having the, the five of the taps running those beers because they they are just monumentally bigger than anything that they're going to sell in craft. But they risk losing those. Key taps if they don't have a great craft portfolio to to offer to a publican, and uh, yeah, yeah. So you know the, these purchases are all about having you know a, a mix of brands and a mix of beers um, that publicans can put on to, to make it look like they've got a great selection, whilst they still only have one credit application. And uh, yeah, and, and that's the thing, prof, that I, I keep hearing. Not even in terms of talking about tap contracts, but when you talk to publicans. Their first, if you so sort of say, "Oh, here's a great beer that you should be running," they sort of say, "Oh, is it um, available through ILG or you know w- whatever the liquor distributor yep. is?" Um, because they want to only deal; they don't want to deal with fifteen or sixteen accounts with craft breweries. But, th-
1: but that's just that's just laziness
0: because they don't say.
1: Um, I want to refurbish my hotel. What I want to do is, I just want to go through one electrician who can also do plumbing and dishwasher maintenance and tiling and is also a carpenter.
0: Oh, mate, they, they, they if, don't, if they don't say. I want to buy my
1: thing- meat and my chicken and my fish and my like everything yeah, all through do. just one.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. They 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 absolutely do. I mean, you, you've you got smaller ones that will uh, sort of pick and choose, but you've got a whole lot of people that will just you know that they, they will choose their um, the, the person they get the cheese from because they can get you know, X number of other products. And it, it, the, the, the fewer accounts that they need to, to manage and the fewer sales reps that they need to deal with and the fewer things they need to deal with. And, and incidentally, the other thing that I'm finding when you speak to small brewers is if they've got 85 venues that are um, taking their beer, um, and they're rotating their taps and things like that. You know, there's sales calls that they need to be doing, accounts they need to be chasing up, and the smaller venues are apparently shocking. And here's a call out to any small venues. They're apparently shocking in paying, for paying on time. And I get a lot of the small brewers who are saying, look, we want to be ranged in X uh, distributor, because they pay us. We send them, they pay on the, on the date. You know, we get paid X percent less, but that X percent is much cheaper than us having to constantly chase all of the overdue accounts. Now, none of those uh, distributors are cold storing beer. And so they're, again, they're, they're playing with the devil in terms of how, they, how their beer is going to be when it hits the market.
1: Perhaps I should take a leaf out of um, the Hawker's book and say, here's the price. That's if you pay in the 30 days or whatever. If you pay in 60, here's a different price. And here's a different price again for 90 days.
0: Yep. And and, and they can do that. But then and again... Encourage them. To say, here's, a, here's an incentive. But then you also need to convince them, you know, if somebody else is willing to go in um, and charge much less than Hawker's is, Hawker's is actually making it more difficult for people to buy and some people see overdue payments as the cost of doing business but you know I find it really funny particularly when some of the small bars that you know spruik their independent beer range also treat their breweries pretty shoddily in terms of payment and those sorts of things and put so much pressure on those businesses that on one hand they're they're nominally uh, selling Anyone who thinks tap contracts, and I don't know how we got it, actually I do know how we got on tap contracts. But anyone who thinks that tap contracts are just the bastardry, of the big guys are missing all of the little micro elements. Um, you know those sort of uh, you know evolutionary pressures uh, that that take place on the market. But anyway, so going you know, back to Harringtons, the, the end game isn't that Harringtons is going to become a fifty you know million dollar a year company or a hundred and fifty million dollar a year company, but the overall business mix um, is going to be bigger, and, and that's if if I can sort of step into the host role for a second, Prof. Uh, you know that that's where like things like Great Northern um, come in, or you know, Furphies. Uh, is selling nineteen million litres uh, on a what is it a mean annualised basis or something along those lines. Prof, if, if you took the uh, five or six biggest craft breweries in the country, um, I believe Stone and Wood yeah. we've talked about sells about 11, 12 million litres. Yep. Gage, Gage Road sells five million of their own brand. Um, they're a little Balters, bit more- Bolter's about to drop in
1: a new brewery that will bring them up to about nine, I think.
0: Oh, well, well, that's um, capacity, but they would still, their business oh, would yeah. be around about two to three million litres, I'd imagine, maybe two million litres. Um, Young Henry's probably two to three, Pirate Life two to three, You know, or maybe four depending on how, how their sales are going. But you've got Furphy, which has come out of nowhere, nineteen million litres, um, and now you're starting to see all of the point of sale. Um, you know, it's, it's on everywhere, and it is just going to race ahead. But when anyone who sort of talks about how big craft beer, independent craft beer, is getting, Furphy just dwarfs anything in the in, in, in the craft beer space, and it's one brand from you know Lion. Um, so these these purchases aren't uh, you know, if they can pick up incremental volume. Um, and you know, take a long-term view. They certainly have great margin to them, but this is about flogging more Iron Jack, more Forex Gold, more um, Han Super Dry, than it is about selling uh, more of wh- whatever the small independent brewery that they're selling that, that, that sells out is. In the garden, what a Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. Matt,
1: tell us a little bit about Great Northern yeah, and right. how it's leading the charge in AB InBev's uh, recently posted very good, healthy business results.
0: Great Northern is obviously a CB brand. CB is an AB InBev brand. AB InBev dropped their annual results, which met fairly mixed results. I think their volumes were down overall in, in, in the US or very, very you know, low growth. But of course, craft beer um, tends to be the driver at our end. Um, they didn't really say too much about it in the release itself. Um, but they did talk about how their, their high end company, um, continues to be a strong contributor to top line growth, um, led by our three global brands. And I'd imagine that's Budweiser, uh, Corona, sorry, Corona, of course. Um, and then they've launched Corona. We're working to further accelerate our global brand portfolio. In this quarter, we launched Corona, Lihera, a premium mid-strength version of Corona that, uh, and that's in Australia. Uh, Budweiser was brewed locally for the first time. So they talk about those things, um, And then they talked about their craft portfolio um, which in first quarter, so this was the second quarter results, um, it had high single digits growth in the first quarter and mid-single digits growth this quarter. That may be because it's the cooler months. Um, But I've I've just been hearing that amongst those results, uh, Pirate Life, which when we spoke to Michael Cameron, gee, it must have been January last year, early last year or late 2016 we spoke to him, Um, it was pre-takeover. Um, and he was saying that 80% of their sales was in cans. Um, that's cans, mm. not cairns. Um, and I've heard that, yeah. You know, on the back of their takeover, they their their draft business has completely, uh, you know, has just gone ahead in leaps and bounds. And so a lot of their growth has been in the draft business, which again goes back to that tap contract issue I was uh, talking about, Prof. But uh, yeah, so we we can talk about all of that. But then when you see uh, any figures for beer, um, Great Northern brand apparently grew, and this is scan data, not draft data, but apparently Great Northern grew by over $250 million um, on a mean annualised total basis. Um, And it represented more than 30% of the industry value growth just from Great Northern, which Prof, uh, as I said, we, we, we can... To live in the craft beer bubble all we want and be as passionate about it as we want. But if you step out of that bubble even for a second, you realise how big the, the the beer industry is that craft isn't even touching.
1: There's a very big, wide, deep ocean of Absolutely. Um, non-independent beer out there.
0: I don't know what the total value of the craft beer industry is. I could probably dig it up, but I didn't for this. Um, but I would imagine that the value of, the, the dollar value of the craft beer industry, including the big guys, wouldn't be um, what the growth in Great Northern was over the last uh, year or two. It's grown by two hundred and forty percent over the last two years. So that's that's an ironically sobering stat. Um, yeah, and, and it is. And so you know, if because sometimes profit, we we, we get mixed uh, feedback from people. You know, you guys talk about the big end of the market too much. We're not the crafty pint. We are um, Brews News. We talk about beer generally, and as much as uh, the Small um, craft breweries are, you know, fascinating and do do great stuff. They operate in a much bigger ecosystem, and these are the things that uh, you know really have an influence on on the you know small breweries that that's worth talking about. Because because the other thing, just talking about beer contracts, um, and and the, the the scale of the industry, the purchases of something like Booze Bud or uh, you know a, a small independent brewery, there's a lot of talk about the industry targeting those small breweries when they when they buy those things I, I don't think that the big breweries think too much about that uh, as I said you know CUB's acquisitions are targeted at lion um, they're targeted at Coke um, they're targeted at each other the small breweries are in you know are collateral damage because you know as we know prof anytime you have to buy a keg of beer from one of the big guys like a little creatures parallel or a fat yak by the time you factor in GST you're looking about $300 a keg you know no one goes on the record to say this stuff um which is why they sort of all of our best emails start with don't quote me on this okay. but <laughs> um the the small independent breweries are being hurt much more by breweries selling kegs at you know $230 a keg and then giving five plus two deals on top that doesn't appear in the paperwork, they just mysteriously turn up, um, you know, off the books. Um, and, you know, so you, you speak to publicans who are talking about, yeah, we're we landing kegs at $165 a keg. Um, you, you speak to brewers that, that's, you know, giving anecdotal, we just can't compete. You know, we're trying to sell our beer at X value. And this might actually tie into the next... Uh, Story what is the true cost of a keg prof? Was that the one that we were going to go on to? It is, okay. yes. Um, a little bit of debate ensued this week on our Facebook page in particular
1: with the report, a follow-up from the uh, from, from BrewCon, and it was uh, one of the sessions that, that I hosted, which looked into how do we determine you know, the, the true cost of, of producing a, a keg of beer. The guys who did it preempted it with, um, you know, it, it's almost impossible to, because there are just so many variables and so many different factors and so many bits and pieces that we can't get a hold of but here it is and i think it came out at a, i think a, i'm going to say 203 dollars, something like that as a as an average uh and there was yeah certainly some uh, some debate on our facebook page um with some brewers sort of weighing in and and supporting you know um and, and i think a few people perhaps learning a little bit about um just that you know what actually does go into the production of beer
0: absolutely and you know it's it's you know on one hand people sort of think and there were a couple of home brewers jumping on and going oh you know i make my beer like my beer cost me 25 cents a you know bottle which is the old home brewer line and you go yeah. okay so are you paying yourself a salary um yeah. you know because like if, if you spent an eight hour brew day you're not paying any excise you're not paying any excise if you've uh, spent eight hours you know indulging your hobby to, to get your twenty five cent, it, 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 there was a great free economics podcast that talked about this. You know, if you grow um, cherry tomatoes at home, you know by the time you've you know bought the tools to dig the uh, garden plot, you've bought your fertilizer, you've bought your cherry tomatoes. Um, you know, you've spent your your, your, your crop, you've, you've watered it, all of those things, and you've you know, you've spent thirty hours um, harvesting your um, crop, and then you go put on Instagram your photo of your Cherry tomato harvest that keeps you in cherry tomatoes for a week, and you go, look, I'm an urban farmer, and these were free. The Earth's bounty was free, and they sort of say, okay, well, how about you grow some for me, um, and you know, I'll pay you two dollars for it, and you go, oh no. Because it's no longer a hobby, Um, and once you actually have to put a value on your labour, and then if you've got a mate helping you, there's two jobs. Um, You know, there's two people. So, if you put a minimum amount of labour, and if if you're brewing in a fifty litre plastic bucket, you've got the cooper's kit that you know has cost you. The the cooper's kit cost you fifty dollars. Huge difference between a three million dollar brewing kit and lease, and all of those sorts of things.
1: I would just encourage people to go to the uh, the brews news article. and also, just to have it, yeah, you know, actually read it and digest it before you make stupid comments online publicly.
0: Yeah, although it, it, in the comments section on on the site, um, Ben Krause weighed in and sort of said, look, you know, I, I really think that the uh, that the guys who presented this missed the point, point. Um, and you know, well, and- well,
1: they were given they were given a fairly narrow brief. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're accountants
0: <laughs> and, and economists and, you And know. Ben, funnily, funnily enough, Ben gave them the brief. And I had to point that out to him because he said, he weighed mm. into the comments and said, you know, did the, the, this presentation, Mr. Mark, as does this article? And I went, okay, mate, well, we know the limitations of their presentation. But do you want us to point that out and criticize the IBA's own presentation, <laughs> you know, when, when you're doing it? But it, look, yeah, it was quite fascinating. But the, the one thing that came out of it, Prof, was it's about $200 a keg. So if you've got some independent craft breweries out there, you know people who are really banging the drum about their independence, out there flogging kegs at $180, you've got to wonder what the end game is. Um, and, and that goes back to my point um, about the people who are talking about big brewers buying small brewers hurting the, the, the craft beer industry when they're selling beers that cost as much, if not more, than the small independent beers... Or is it the small independent brewers who are really just dumping beer on the market, which it has to be if they're selling it at such cheap prices, just to get growth, hopefully to become you know, a, a buyout option? Who is the uh, the business that's really hurting the uh, the industry longer term? Let's move on. We might move straight to letters because we do have a few.
1: Regarding our shout out for, um, let us know what you think our podcast should be called. So At the moment, we've got Australian Brews News, which is the, the overarching sort of thing. Then, as far as the um, the podcast and you know, live recordings and special editions and is conversation, all that sort of thing, that's Radio Brews News, which then splits off into Beerous Conversation and our live things like uh, Live with Charlie Bamford, that sort of thing, um, and and the stuff that you did at, at Brewcon, which I should just point out was terrific. Um, oh, thanks, And mate. then and then there's this thing, which at the moment is um, is called Good Brews Week. What should we call it? So we got a letter from. John Coleman, just listened to episode 180, thought I'd get in touch regarding the shout-out you made at the end regarding the name of the podcast. So he's, he was a little bit confused at first when we started naming the episode Good Brews Week. <laughs> he thought maybe it was a sponsorship we were doing for Good Beer Week. So ah, I, I, I yeah, kind of yeah. get that. Yeah. I do like the current naming convention of Beer as a Conversation and Brews News Live, so that's cool because it, it makes it fairly obvious. I would like to suggest changing to Brews News Week for the regular Updates. Good Brews Week doesn't flow off the tongue as well. And let's face it, the news is not always about good brews. Sometimes you have to talk about bad beer. Um, Also, like I suggest, breaking brews news for the breaking news stories. For example, the times when you released ad hoc episodes regarding the recent brewery buyouts with exclusive first interviews. So, like the one we did uh, that you and James popped over and, uh, and did with Ferrell. So I think Bruise News Week and Breaking Bruise News both flow off the tongue a little better, plus it gives you the opportunity to do a Breaking Bad-themed logo of you and Pete, <laughs> which is always going to be gold and could open up a whole new line of merchandise. I'm guessing because you've got glasses, you're the Walter White. I, I guess so. I don't know. And you're a bit taller. I don't know. Uh, to summarise, Bruise News Week, Breaking Bruise News, Beerus Conversation and Bruise News Live. Keep up the great work. Thanks very much for that, John. That was pretty cool. Um, John,
0: th- thank you for um, putting such thought into it. And I have to say that... Good Bruce Week doesn't roll off as Bruce as, bruise, as uh, <laughs> what Bruce News, News Week. Um, yeah, Bruce News Week and Good Bruce Week. Yeah, he's nice trying to make that.
1: it easy for us. Also, making it easy for us. I should point out James Omond, who's sort of uh, uh, just as Matt has sort of said. You know, thanks for putting so much work into it. Um, James is kind of the counterpoint to that. My vote is keep the name the same. Good Bruce Week. <laughs> Cheers James.
0: <Yeah>. So <laughs> and, and James Omon from Omon & Co, uh intellectual property lawyers who also featured in yes. uh, who we who's featured in a podcast uh, previously and also was uh, a great article by Willsabell on Crafty Pint this week about intellectual property and uh you know brewers pushing the boundaries there. So um uh, yes, so thank you James. Uh so we've got two competing ideas. Yes. Um
1: and then our last letter of the week was uh, from Evan O'Brien. He's basically sort of um, giving us a bit of an insight into um, how we might be able to skip Skype. Have you had a look into that yet?
0: I haven't had a chance to look in that yet. But yes, uh, thank you very much for sending that through. So I'm more than more than happy to if, if somebody knows of of um,
1: you know platforms that can be used to record pod- podcasts that are um, uh, can improve. The sound quality, was, I know there's nothing out there yet. Um, perhaps the, um, the auto-tune that Katy Perry uses, we could use to maybe you know make
0: ourselves a little bit more intelligible and um, less wordy. I don't know. One of the ways that we do this is we're constantly trying to sort of work out the best way to do the things that we do. Um, we're yeah. We're not news limited, but we are all about content and trying to get the best content out to you in the way that, you know, our very meagre budgets allow. Um, as you know, we're not egregious in the way that we work with uh, our advertisers and sponsors. We only work with people who um, really let us do what we want to do. Um, and, you know, and I think that gives them better value. But one of the things, Prof, uh, I don't know if there are any music composers that, that listen, um, but w- despite our uh, Beer Barrel Polka opening, that has, has been a constant since the, the, the very, very beginning of Radio Bruce News way back in 2011. Yeah, and is gold, absolute gold. Look, it, it, it is, but as I've discovered, because uh, we, we feature on a lot of podcast platforms and we want to get on Spotify, but because it's not rights-free music, we've been apparently having our own little... Uh, we're not really entitled to use it, even though it's a snippet, um, and we can't use it on... Uh, Spotify. So we are going to have to commission some new music for the podcast. So if,
1: you're, if you are a music producer and you reckon you can come up with something that's
0: an homage to a Barrel Polka by, was it the Seven Fat Dutchman? So something that's got the same feel, and and that's one of the things. It, it was always we used it because it's beer barrel polka, and it and it's a theme. It's jaunty. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which is kind of like us. And it's not the thrash metal that seems to be the oh yeah, not sorry, I'm, I'm probably all the kids go. Oh, that's not thrash metal. He doesn't know what thrash metal is. But you know that sort of driving guitar, electric guitar riff sort of stuff that everyone else seems to to use. It was just meant to be a bit of a counterpoint to that. A bit of a counterpoint to that, and and just get you you know light heartedly uh, in, into in. To the start of the, the the podcast, but yeah. So if anyone's out there, have a listen, you know, have a think, or if you know somebody and uh, you want to have a go, yeah, put us in touch with somebody. Put us in touch with somebody. Um, our producer Joe has given us a name, but also I said that because one day it's just going to crop up in your uh, podcast feed. You're going to hear a different tune. All of a sudden, it'll change. You
1: go, "Wow, well, what happened to the beer barrel polka?" Uh, so we we got pinged by the Seven Fat Dutchmen.
0: So, so well, yeah, hopefully they don't come after us for <laughs> for, for royalty pain. Pretty sure, pretty sure most of them are fairly dead, no? <laughs> But anyway, sorry to sorry to break that to you. But I was worried that I did want I, I didn't want it to be too jarring, or think that you're listening to the wrong uh, podcast.
1: Come up, come up with something. Send send your send your audition tapes to uh, editor at bruisenews.com. And, uh, and we'll, we'll see what we can do.
0: Now, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, Prof, which is how I came up with, you know, gee, why don't we, why don't Prof and I just talk about crap on about beer for 21 minutes longer than we say that we're the half hour we say we're going to. But uh, I, I listen to Stuff You Should Know, which is a great podcast. I don't know if you listen to podcasts or Stuff You Should Know. Uh, no, I'm not, not aware of that one. I'm going to write it down. I'll stuff listen you to should... Yeah, they, they just talk about all sorts of esoteric stuff. You know yep. how how does how did the Pony Express work? And I didn't know, like Pony Express, such a big part of, pop, of American Wild West culture. But for some reason, they spend 15 minutes recounting all of the stuff that people have sent them. Um, you know, as and they give them a shout out, and they get more beer than we do, Prof. So if anybody wants to, if anybody, particularly overseas, if you want to send us something, and we do have a lot of uh, listeners overseas, if you want to send us something, I won't say no. Done. Um, a quick little shout-out too because obviously the
1: uh, letter of the week will receive a six-pack of independent beer, Australian independent beer, from our good friends at Beer Cartel, who we did try to get on uh, to have a chat with us on this podcast, uh, particularly you know uh, an opinion regarding uh, the Boozebud online beer business sale. Um, but the guys uh, didn't get back to us. I'm assuming, Matt, that they are perhaps too busy polishing their um Trophy that they got for um, as a result of their craft beer survey at a recent marketing awards.
0: They 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 did yeah. So like the survey they do about craft beer is a great marketing. Ultimately, whenever it's referenced, people sort of say beer cartels, craft beer survey. And you know uh, you know as we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, you know how much you can extrapolate. You know when you talk about Great Northern. Um, you know when you extrapolate those findings out outside of the industry, how relevant it is. Um, but it's congratulations to them because it, it it is a good little snapshot and it does provide plenty of talking points uh, for craft beer. And people always mention beer cartel. So as we're doing now.
1: No, exactly. So word well on to them. And look, hopefully we can get them on uh, for a bit of a a chat. Um, and again, hopefully when when Zoe. Is able to pop in. Matt, have you decided which of those four letters that we received this week, uh, not including the one perhaps that we're holding over till next week, uh, is the letter of the week? Uh,
0: look, I, I think John's. He put so much thought into our <laughs> name, much more thought than we do week, week to week. <laughs> Clearly. So, so, yeah. So, look, I uh, know no, we appreciate those thoughts. Right, John uh, Coleman,
1: well done. Thank you, John. Uh, Matt, we must away because the next time we meet, it will be live face to
0: face, belly to belly. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, work out how we can life. get uh, Zoe on next week because you'll be in town as we go into 10 days of pouring great beers at the Eka, Um And we'll record this next Thursday afternoon, probably in the Brews News offices, um, which is downstairs at my Oh,
1: there we go. I look forward to
0: downstairs uh, at my house. myself with that. No,
1: okay, well, uh, until then, thanks very much, listeners, for all of your support. Keep the letters coming. Uh, well done to John on your... Um, Letter of the week, and thanks very much to our good friends at Beer Cartel for supplying the prize. Um, take care. Drink good beer, and, and we'll see you next week. See you, Matt. Thanks very much for uh, for your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Prof. Yeah, a fair bit of it. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll see you all next week. Cheers, guys. And we're out.